And on Thursday night, I shared with the church that were here, um, and we had a pretty large audience watching online as well. Um, but I wanted to share, the, again, a few highlights of that, and that will move me into what I want to speak on this morning. Um, and this came from um, just a couple visions and a few words that God's given here. This comes from Peter Rosado, who is one of our elders here at the church. Him and his wife run our ministry. His wife's on the front row. Um, I think Peter might be in the back today helping with the ADV department. And um, he had this vision, and um, this is what he gave to me. He said, as I was praying in my room, I began to declare out loud, God is coming to the earth. Then I questioned when I spoke, like, isn't God already here? Then I heard God speak and say, my spirit is here on earth, but now I am going to visit earth. Then I saw his foot touch the ground, and it caused a great shake all around the earth. And it was like a tidal wave moving across the land. I saw big rocks stacked up high like mountains begin to crumble and fall. I saw that the rocks represent the lies that had been stacked up for many years covering up the truth. As those rocks came crashing down, the truth was exposed. Hidden underneath all those rocks, it was a mountain of truth, and it was not, and it was not damaged. Nothing escaped the shaking, but the mountains of truth were standing tall, beautiful, and unharmed. Um, there's more I'll say about that. November 28th, um, this year, last year rather, 2020, uh, just, just a a couple months ago, I received this word. This is from me that I got from the Lord. For the Lord God of heaven has issued this decree even as the heavens do declare. The time has come for my engagement with earth once again, even as in times of old, says the Lord. For I have decided that the time is now for my interference, says the Lord. For I will right the wrongs and make every crooked path straight and I will move mountains to clear away, says the living God. For this is the hour of my visitation, and I am coming to visit the affairs of men. For my people have moved me, says the Lord. My people have touched me. So we see already a correlation between what God's even saying about the mountain, also making uh, sure that we know that God is going to visit the earth. On December 22nd, the day of my birthday, day after my birthday, uh, 2020, I, I prophesied this in a prayer gathering. I've heard your prayer. I've heard your cry. And I'm now making preparations for your family and your, your family's family, says the Lord. And what I do, I do hastily. I do speedily. And I do with great might, great provision, and with great strength. For it is my great pleasure to visit once again planet Earth, says the Lord. Something significant, church, is happening here. For I am coming, I am coming, I am coming, I am coming. Say not, I don't come, for surely I come, and I come quickly, says the Lord. For I am opening the floodgates of prosperity, I am opening the floodgates of healing, I am opening the floodgates of more than enough and abundant supply, says the Lord. Now here's what we got. Here's how we know this word is true. For even this night, 
you will see a miracle and I will give a sign in the heavens and it will go from the east coast to the west coast. The Lord says, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh and so I will give you a sign and you will see it, says the Lord, and it will bring great blessing to America and your children and your children's children, says the Lord. Somebody shout, yes! Now, when I gave that word in that prayer gathering, I had no idea whatsoever. First of all, I was going to prophesy. I was coming to pray. Had no idea. Standing right over here, stepped out of the darkness, came out from the darkness. And I prophesied. I think I shook everybody because they weren't ready for that. I just started being prophesied. And that God said, I'm the proof of what I'm saying to you, that I'm coming to the earth, going to right the wrongs, send prosperity, healing, and blessing, and abundant supply, is that there will be a sign in the heavens. It'll go from the East Coast to the West Coast. I had no idea, maybe you did, I had no idea, that there was something coming, passing by the earth, and it was called the Christmas star, that only happened every once every 800 years. As a sign, y'all didn't even want to clap on that. But I clap because I can't, I got the micro, but I would clap because I recognize, I know me, I had no knowledge of that whatsoever, but God knew and God gave us a sign. That's the best Christmas gift we could have gotten in 2020, leading into 2021. God is about to give you the greatest breakthrough you've ever had in your life. Come on. And when God comes, as he's saying he's going to do, because Pito did not know this, but I struggled the same way, and I said to myself, how can this be that you would visit earth? You mean you're omnipresent, you're everywhere. But he said something very similar to me, that his spirit was on the earth, but I'm talking about God coming from his throne, touching the earth, which the Bible says the earth is his footstool, by the way, and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then I'm reminded, and it's just the Lord, he just put this back in my mind, you know, and that when God visits the earth, obviously we know it's significant, but what is God doing? What is God doing? We know that when the Tower of Babel was being built and they were trying to build a one world government or in other words, they were trying to push him out. We got this God, you stay in your heaven we on earth, we're going to take care of our business here. We're going to rule it the way we want to rule it. And that's when God said, uh, I heard something. And he said, I'm coming down myself to view what is going on. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready for the breakthroughs that God's about to bring to planet earth. And he said, nope. He came and viewed it and said, if I don't break this up, there'll be nothing impossible for them. So he divided them by their tongue and they went all over the world. And of course, we know that that's how that the earth, they had one language at that time and the earth had many multiple languages from that moment on. And that's why we have to have the gift of the spirit to really navigate in the earth today, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but the evidence speaking in tongues because it is the pure language of God. It is the language of God that brings unity to the earth. And that's another, that's another topic for another day. But it, when God comes to the earth, there's reason. Number one, you will always see that God brings judgment. 
And church, I'm not here to freak you out, but I would say if I were you, I'd be making things right about now. <laughs> I'd be, I would be like, I'm, and I'm trying, I'm getting things right, you know. And just get before the Lord. He'll show you what you got to do, but be real with God and confess your sin. And then stop it. You, you confess it, but then you got to stop it. Hey, I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout it. You can't, you can't be doing what you want to do. You got to do what God wants you to do. And I'm not getting into all the semantics of that, but you understand what I'm saying. Making it right because he said judgment comes first to the household of God. Comes first in the house of God. He wants to make it right. See, the revival is not really for the world. We say revival in terms of reaching the world, but really the revival is the church because it has to be what? Revived. Right? So, so it comes to bring judgment. God, God comes, he brings his hand. The Bible says with his hand, you, you find the scriptures, every time you see the hand of God, when God comes, he moves with his hand, the Bible says. And every time you see the hand of God, you will always see the judgment of God. He will come to judge what is wrong. He's had enough. I felt this back in the early 20, before the virus hit. And I didn't believe that the virus was the judgment of God. I believe God will use it. Trust me, when God judges, it's going to be a whole lot different than that. I, I, again, I'll, I'll talk about that maybe today yet, but we'll see how it goes. And, but when, he, when, he, when God said, I'm drawing a line in the sand. And I felt like God was, he was in no mood to play games. He was in no mood to negotiate. It was my way, God says. And so I believe that's where God stands today. The second thing that the hand of God does, watch this, it always brings judgment. But notice that God's always just. He's always just. So he brings judgment, but guess what else he brings? Blessing and favor. Just as quick as the judgment comes, the blessing of favor, of God's favor comes upon God's people. Church, God, I'm on, today I don't even have a message. I'm just going to begin to prophesy. I'm, 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 I'm going to speak what I feel God's put in my heart. That's all I'm going to do. But I'm here to tell you, God has not got just America and you on his mind. He does. Yes, he does. You're pivotal. America's pivotal. But he has got the nations of the world on his mind. God's got the whole wide planet on his mind. And the world is prime picking. It's, and that's why we struggle so much sometimes here. But if you really looked at what we were going through in our lives in America, your personal lives, I'm going to put you that way, your personal life. You think it's tough for you? You think it's tough for you? You haven't lived through some of the things others have lived through on planet Earth. You woke up and you had a roof over your head. Can we put in perspective today? You woke up and most of you woke up with heat. Most of you had something to eat. While 80% of the world woke up on a dirt floor this morning. Did you know that? That's how the rest of the world lives. We are so blessed. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing trouble because it's, it's relative, right, to you. I get that. But let's put things in perspective. We're blessed, but we're not near as blessed as what we're going to be. And just, I'm telling you, in months to come, 
we're going to start seeing such incredible over, overall change, overarching change. And that's going to be the name. You know, I, 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 I'm just sensing this in my own spirit that we're going to notice more and more, maybe this whole decade is going to be about changing and changing and changing. And every year we're going to look back, can you believe that, that we're not those people, look how different we are than we were just 12 months ago or 18 months ago. We're, so much has changed because God has visited the, the, the earth. And when God visited the earth during the time of Babel, what happened? Everything changed. Everything shifted. Church, if God is coming and we believe that he is with this kind of precedent, then we must stop vacillating between opinions vacillating in our own hearts and minds about what God said or what God didn't say and learn right now to, to take a stand that is immovable, unshakable. You know that you know your God and no matter what it looks like, I'm going to stand. Look at your neighbor and say, take a stand. Tyler, my message this morning is the stand. If I have a message, we'll see how it goes. Father, we love you so very much, and thank you for your presence already felt in this place. You are loved. You are wanted. You are desired. You are adored in this house. And we say that you are preeminent. Not me, not even close. Not the people, but you and you alone, Lord God. We've gathered all over the four corners of this area, Lord God, and those that are watching all over this entire United States of America. And just, just to hear what you have to say, what an honor and privilege it is for me to declare it, Lord God. Anoint my lips, anoint my words, Lord God, that they may be the things that you want said today. In this moment, Lord God, I, was, I yield my heart to you. We as a church yield our heart to you. And we receive words of life, words of life in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. I wanted to, when I felt the need to speak this morning, and this whole, this, actually this whole week, uh, the thing that kept coming in my spirit was stand. You got to stand. And the Lord, and some of you have heard this story in bits and pieces, and some of you uh, maybe you never heard it before, ever, um, but it's a part of our story and a part of our life. And I like to share it because I feel like if, if God can bring us through such a time that we walk through, that God can bring you through your time as well. And around 2008, um, actually it wasn't around, it was 2008. My wife and I at the time were pastoring two churches. We had this church uh, here in Milwaukee that we birthed in, um, in uh, May of 1999. And then uh, we took over my father's church that we actually helped him birth in 1989. We were in the front row of the church when it was birthed in July. That July 4th weekend was when it started. And, uh, but then 10 years later, we came here and started this church. And then my folks felt called to go out to uh, Phoenix to start a church there. And so we felt led to take over the church in Beloit. And so we were doing both locations. And that started in 2000, at the end of 2001. As a matter of fact, it was just a month after um, it was in October. It was a month after the 9-11 attacks happened. And so, um, and so anyways, um, we went and we were doing both locations at the time we, we, we moved, we're living here, but we moved to that area because in Beloit, Janesville area, because that's where the church was larger at that time. And so a uh, large facility, uh, 
you know, about 40,000 square foot facility and a lot of um, different responsibilities. They did a lot of different things. And so we had to take everything. They had a school of ministry, everything. So we'd take all that over and start to begin to um, uh, get our hearts around that. And it was, it was, it was a different time. Uh, I wouldn't say difficult, but I'd say different. It was different for, all, for us as well as for the church. And so then we're going back and forth. So we're doing two locations. So we had a Thursday night service here. And then we had a Wednesday, we had a Wednesday night service there, a Thursday night here. And then Sunday, we'd have two morning services there. Then we'd drive up here, and then we'd have an afternoon service at 1 p.m. How many remember the 1 o'clock service we used to have? And we had that for 10 years, 10 years. Um, and we grew as a church. And those that don't know, this, is a, this is a, was a theater at one time, and you're sitting in three theaters right now. So there was a wall dividing this room, part of the room. If you see that pole there, that pole saved us about $150,000. That's why it's there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it there at all But um, because the, the, it needed support there. So, um, And on this side was another bigger theater. So it was three theaters that we opened up. But at the time, we were meeting at that theater. So that was theater A, B, C, D, and then E and F for the children's ministry. Okay. So we were on theater uh, A at the time, and so we had our one o'clock service, and it was growing. It started growing. It was this church has always been growing. So that that was a uh, a blessing for a long time, um, and then this church began to begin to become larger, and so around nineteen. Um, uh, let's say no, around 2007, uh, we, we broke ground on this side of the facility, and then uh, we added another 5,000 square feet out there in the lobby, and, uh, and, and that's pretty much what you see today, which, by the way, can you believe we've been in here that long already? We need a paint job in here. Hallelujah. We get some paint going on in there. We are going to get the paint job. Amen. But my point is, is that um, uh, we were going between the two locations, and we were, it was, we were saying that we were one church, two locations. Um, and so, and things were going well. We were on television, seven different uh, stations in the area. On two of those stations, we were on daily. We had a television department of uh, five employees um, and a staff of about 16 people, and not including the daycare that we had, another probably 16, 17 people in the daycare that was employed. So we had a pretty large organization going, uh, and God was blessing. 2008, uh, most of you remember that, 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 the, that your older would remember that that was a time that the economy literally just broke and the housing market fell apart and we went into what was called, what would be termed the Great Recession, moving into the Depression. And so it was already a huge adjustment as people were lo losing their jobs and so on and so forth. And so when you run your ministry on a certain amount of money every single week and it starts to dip, you got to start making adjustments. Out of those adjustments, we had to lay people off. That's one of the hardest things uh, as an employer for me uh, that you'll ever do for my wife because, because we considered our employees like family. So when you got to tell them they don't have a job and so on and so forth, it's a very difficult uh, thing to do. Out of that process in the Beloit location without naming names, I don't do that. But without naming any names, the people begin to get disgruntled and upset because they lost their jobs. We had one person in particular who was a very talented person, very talented to this day, uh, get very um, uh, rebellious toward us, uh, begin to say a bunch of things that were untrue because they were upset because we had to let her and her husband go. As a result of that, she behind our backs got a lot of people stirred up. So at the same time that we were losing income in the church, people started dipping. They started, they dipped, and then they're going to say, hey, you need to come over to this church. You know, I, I, let me just say, can I be honest with you? Christians sometimes are the meanest people you'll ever meet in your life. I love y'all, but sometimes y'all can be meaner than the world. Not this church. Hallelujah, because all the rest of you are good. 
but they were upset. The offense kicked in. When the offense kicked in, they wanted to, they wanted to attack. So as a result of that, I'm not trying to cry river. I'm trying to explain something to you. As a result of that, within about six months' time, we lost 50% of the income of that location and about 30% of the people that attended the church. And it was heartbreaking. It was bad. We finally get that church, okay, we're going to run at this level. This is what we've got to do. We had made all the adjustments. It was tough, 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 tough for a while. And, um, and so then uh, we, uh, we were here. I'll never forget, I was in a, a leadership meeting here at the church. And I walked away from that leadership meeting, and my wife said, what's wrong? I said, I don't like what I felt in that meeting. I felt something was off. Something's not right. And, um, you know, you can, when you've done this for a little while, you can discern things. And I knew there was a problem, and it felt like the same problem that I had in Beloit. Up until that time, we had no issues whatsoever. This was about 2010. And, um, and so in 2010... Just about the same type of thing, but way, way tougher. Way about 10 times harder. It hit. People we had laid off the church, they got upset. Uh, they were like family to us. They drew people to themselves. They started yip, 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 yip about us behind our back. And because we didn't live here and weren't with the people's often, actually had them in place of authority, people began to believe them. That became an issue for us. Obviously, we, had, we didn't know half what was going on until it was all too late. And people began to leave the church. So now the economy of this church was already being under strain because of the Great Recession. And now then people are leaving the church. So now we got that. And that was at the moment, y'all, when social media started going up, 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 up. Before that, people attack you. No big deal. You hear about it here and there. You move past it. Now it's all online. Everybody's getting everybody talking about it. It was like it was like a feeding, like a sharks going after the meat and blood, right in the water. It was terrible. Suffice it to say, it was an emotional hurt and pain to my wife and I. Very, very difficult process to go through. We had two hundred people plus that left this church. We again working on fifty percent of the income. So now we are making decisions because finances are just they're just tough. So now you got this emotional thing happening. You got people talking about you that's untrue. You got lawsuits going on. You got, you got health issues going on. You got people dealing with this and people dealing with that. And now we can't keep up with the mortgage. And we're not the only church. This was happening across the land, except the only difference was they weren't going through a church split at the exact, it was like a perfect storm. And it was difficult. And it was hard. And it was hurtful. And I'll never forget it. We got one month behind. We got two months behind. We're trying to negotiate the deal with the bank. And then finally I said, I'm tired of, I'm tired of telling them we're going to do this, they're going to do that. And they don't do anything. Spoke with my, with my elders, said, look, what we need to do is just tell them we're done. Here's the keys. I'm over. You're not going to hold me over a barrel for a building. I'm not, I didn't come here for a building. I came here to build the church. And so we, we had all these decisions we had to make. We made our decision. The bank said, hold off. Don't do that. We want to work with you. We want to work with you. That's what I thought. But it wasn't like that. They kept messing around with us over and over. Wouldn't take phone calls. Didn't get my emails. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And for one year, we were held not knowing if we're going to be here one week to the next week to the next week. And I didn't tell anybody. I should have told y'all, but I didn't tell y'all. Those that, were, that, were, that, are, that, are, that knew about all this, y'all know I repented about that a long time ago. I said, never again will I not tell the people. 
But I didn't want the church to be a place where people felt pressure and strain. I just wanted to come and preach the gospel. And I wanted to be dad and just be, I'm going to deal with my stuff behind closed doors and God will deal with it and he'll help me. I didn't realize I needed you all helping me pray. So I grew as a church, I grew as a pastor, I grew, I, I grew as a leader. But at the time I was taking the whole load myself and the pressure was mounting, mounting, mounting. And then finally, we finally said, we're gonna get this deal going. We're gonna get, it's gonna happen about a year later. And um, they had served this notice on our buildings that we were gonna, they were, they were gonna kick us out of our buildings. Then they recanted that. And then it went in the newspaper that they had already, that had sold the building to somebody else. And it was just a mess. Just a mess. We're being told one thing. Other things are being told behind our backs. I haven't told the church anything. It was an absolute mess. And I said, but Lord, I said, you gave me promises. You told me to do I would have never done this unless you told me to do this. You know, sometimes when life ain't working out for you and everything's backwards and it's just a spell, spell, spelling disaster, you got to go back on what God promised, what God said. And I did. And I said, Lord... I said, Lord, you gave me a promise. I never set out to do this. I didn't need to do this. I didn't have, want to have the headache. I was fine working for my dad. I didn't need this. And so, and so I, um, I began to pray about it. Well, the bank says we're going to start, we're going to deal with you and blah, blah, blah. I thought, well, whatever. You know, we'll just go through the, I'm going to trust God. So we're within days of this negotiation. And all of a sudden, uh, a team of people said that they want to come take a look at the property, that they wanted to buy the property. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And they need to see it within the next day or so. Blah, blah, blah. So we had to open up the property so people could walk through this property. I know God's given me a word, but my faith is being challenged. And they're excited, and they're happy. And they're, if we could do this, and we could do this, I'm thinking, get the heck out of my building. I bind you, devils. You know, I'm mad. I'm hurt. I don't understand what's going on here, God. And they're saying, we like this. All we do is this, and we're trying to point out all the negative things that are in the building. You know, this is leaking, and that's happening, and you know the internet speed is slow, and you know, and it is, they, oh, we can fix that, no problem, parking, no problem. Oh, we, got, we, got, we got roofers, we can. It was, a, it was a group of people, business. And I remember feeling that sinking feeling, that feeling of being forsook like God you set me up for nothing but a failure here I might be talking to one or two people here today and and so I will never forget the Lord spoke to me I woke up in the morning the next morning went to bed just discouraged woke up the next morning God said now get up out of bed go down to the church and walk around this building seven times and I want you to claim it for me Without hesitation, I jumped up. Those who know the story, that's how we got this building the first time, as I walked around the seven times under God's instruction. I walked around this building, I started praying and prophesying and speaking. Every time I walked by, there's a little rock pile over here. I grab a rock and put it in my pocket. And I walk around. By the time I got to that fourth rock, put it in my pocket, and I'm walking around the fourth trip as I'm praying, I, I, started, I, was, getting, I was getting upset about that, that group of people that came in. And I stopped and said, Lord, forgive me. I need not to be angry with them. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know anything about what's happening here. They're just a group of people excited about getting a building. So, Father, and this is what I said. Oh, gee, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You don't curse your enemies. Here's how you pray. I said, Lord, 
in the name of Jesus. Father, give them an incredible facility. Give everything they want, God. Give them for a better price than they ever thought they could get it for, Lord God. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Oh, God, I prophesy a building their future, but it will not be 4901 South Howell Avenue. This is not their building, but bless them, Lord. I went another round and put another rock in my pocket. By the time I got done, by having seven rocks in my pocket and I was done, the Holy Spirit said, now go to Steve Muncy's church tonight. That was on a Wednesday. I said, Lord, I don't even know if he's in town. I called him up. He said, yeah, man, I'm in town. Come on, come on over. We're going to party. We'll have a good time. He likes to have a steak dinner after he preaches. So I said, listen, we'll do it. It's all good, great. So I come. I just come. I get there. It's two and a half hours away. I just pull in. Just when church about to start, they put me in the front row. He's up there preaching up a storm. And um, as, I'm, as he's preaching, he says, Jeff Pruitt, get up here. Jeff Pruitt, get up here. Now people know who I am. And I come up on, this, on the platform, and he doesn't know anything, church. And I've never seen him prophesy like this in my life. And he begins to prophesy and he says, hear the word of the Lord. You will not lose your buildings. Do you hear what God is saying to you? But God's about to give you a turnaround. And he said something, I, don't, I have it written down, 15 days of my day, or 15, something, you're going to have it within this time. And we didn't have it during that time, but I've learned some of a prophecy, and I've known it forever, is that you never, when God gives you a date, it doesn't mean you see it on that date, but it's happening on that date. And then when you look back, you go, oh, okay, God, you were already doing it on that time. I just didn't know it yet, but you were at work during that time. And within just probably two or three months, everything shifted. Never heard from that people again. Now watch this. And then your pastor, under the power of the Holy Ghost, I, I, it was just me. I said, Lord, I'm going for broke. I'm not going to be under their pressure just to get a building back. They, this building, we owe 2.2 something, almost $2.3 million on this one and 2.2 something on the Beloit Church. And so I was still in control of both of them. So I said, We're, this is what we want to do. We want you to cut that price in half. And I said, well, this is what we want for this building, and, here's what we want. and I want a brand new roof put on my building as well, so we never have to see a stinking leak again. Somebody say amen. amen. And it was terrible. It, people remember that? We had buckets everywhere, praise God. People thought we were having like a, like a New Year's Eve party. At any moment, the buckets were going to open and the confetti was going to come down. There were so many buckets up on top of the roof. And so, and so I said, we want a brand new roof. And guess what? They came back and said, we'll do it. We saved $1 million on this property here and $1 million in Beloit. Somebody say hallelujah. I am not bragging on myself. My human nature was, every, my mind was everywhere. My, my mind was everywhere. My body was everywhere. Uh, my emotions were everywhere. But I learned something with this king. That he is a promise-keeping God. And what he says will come to pass. And all he requires for you to do is to stand on what God has spoken to you in the face of all odds. Somebody say yes. And I know that we are in the middle of this Red Sea prophetically experience. And some of you are dealing with, even in our nation and the nations of the world, it's like it's everywhere. Trouble is everywhere. And they're starting to say there might be a civil war. Well, why don't we say what God wants to say? Peace on earth, on earth, goodwill towards men. Prophesy the word of the Lord. I want America to know that I watch this right now. If you look around this room, what do you see? Do you see a bunch of white people? Do you see a bunch of black people? 
a bunch of Hispanic people. And one Asian guy, where is he? Run Asian guy back there. <laughs> there might be more. <laughs> what do we see? We see the rainbow in the house of God. All colors, all nations of the earth shall run to the mountain of the Lord's house. This is what God, this is what God has desired. America, it can be done. It's happening right here, and this is the will of God. No civil war in the name of Jesus Christ. Even in the church. So we are up against the Red Sea. God made a promise that they would move into the promised land, the promise of God. And now they're faced with the Red Sea and they can't move forward. And you all know this story. And you say, why is it prophetic? It's so simple. Have we ever in our lifetime seen anything like this? The parallel? That, 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 that there was a plague in, I believe, Exodus chapter 12 and before? That a plague had come to, take, to claim death in the families of, of the people of Egypt? Did a plague not come in March of 2020? To claim death? Did they not, back in Exodus, have a time of quarantine where people were shut in? Did we not have the same? Where we've been quarantined, people have been shut in. When did this all happen? March, April. During the time of Passover. You don't see the prophetic significance of what's happening right now? In 2020? And so now, the people of God come out with the great hand of God. God visits them, comes out with the, the, the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, to bring blessing and judgment. But they can't see it. They can't see it because now the, everything they've been promised is coming, it's being dashed because now they're up against the Red Sea. And what happens with the people? They begin to complain. And they begin to push back and they push back toward Moses. You did this. You led us out here to die. And now here comes Pharaoh and his army. It gets worse. Pharaoh and his army is coming to reclaim them, either get, I don't know what's going to happen, either get killed or reclaim them and make it 10 times worse for them than what they had. And you understand the humanity of this. You understand what could have gone through their minds because we would probably think the same. Because they're in an impossible, impossible situation. And even as, as you think about this, well, I'll probably leave that one for another time, but they were blessed on the way out but they still couldn't see a way in. So here they, have, here they are, and they look to Moses, and Moses, the leader, the great man of God, he'll have the answers. He had no reply. And he goes to God, and he says, God, what shall I do? And what God says to him is so awesome, and I'm going to sum it up. He's basically saying, I don't need to give you something fresh and new here. 
what I have said is what's going to happen. You are going to the wilderness to worship me and you are going into the promised land. That is my word to you. But God, it don't look like it. There ain't no, we, nobody can swim this. There's no bridge here. There's no helicopter to take us over. We can't tunnel underneath here. There's no boats. How? And now our enemy's coming to get us. And God says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord your God this day. For the enemies you see today, you shall see no more forever. So when the hounds of hell are coming and encroaching upon you to take you back or to take you out, that is not a sign of your demise. That is the sign of turnaround. That is the sign of a breakthrough. Why? Because God wants them to see and know, and God wants the world to see and know that, that when you chase after God's promise, when you come against God's people, you will be destroyed. I'm not here to make people understand that God wants to kill people. I'm just saying that is a prophetic picture of what God's going to do to our enemies. Not talking about people. I'm talking about principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and heavenly places. Devil, you're coming down in the name of Jesus. Come on. And God caused a mighty wind to blow and, and opened up that Red Sea on both sides and dried up the ground so they wouldn't be stuck in the mire and the mud. And they were able to walk across three million of them to the promised land. That's what God did and that they were so, look, watch this. Deliverance didn't happen for them. Until, watch this, the enemies also stepped in to what they would be, we would say a breakthrough or a miracle. And as soon as they stepped in and the people were safe on the other side, then the water walls came crashing down to take out their enemies. What am I saying? Quit looking for God to deliver you out of something. God wants to deliver you in something. God wants to deliver you through something. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You'll be with me. Your rod and staff, they'll comfort me. And you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God wants to do something in and through, not keep you from and out. And when you're looking for God to keep you from and out of something, you will be sorely disappointed. And it's in those moments you lose your faith and that's when the enemy takes you back captive. But we understand, no, God's gonna go all the way. I'm gonna have to go all the way with him. I gotta trust him all the way. That's when your enemies are destroyed. Stand still. By the way, what does a deliverer look like? <laughs> what does a deliverer look like? Because when people looked at Moses, I'm sure they're thinking, huh? He stuttered. That's how we talked. He had to have Aaron talk for him. Y'all didn't know that? Aaron had to talk for him because he could get it out. They also knew he was raised in the lap of luxury. He was brought up in Pharaoh's house. Uh, also, the deliverer that they were looking at, that, that, God, that he said that God told him to do these things, it was the same one that killed a man. He was a murderer. Had an anger issue. Sometimes we're looking at deliverers as if they're supposed to be something. What about John the Baptist? He didn't look like a very good deliverer to me. Or someone I would like to follow. Totally on the off skirts of society. You know, one of those rejects out there. 
talking about he knows God and stuff, eating wild honey and locust? Who eats locusts? Crazy people eat locusts. Uh, wears camel hair. Theologians said inside out. And yet he was the one that was going to bring the bridge between the old and the new and usher in Jesus the Messiah. Are y'all flowing me so far? How about Jesus? How many people would follow Jesus knowing that he was the son of a local carpenter who was born in a manger and they're looking for a king as their Messiah? Messengers, uh, deliverers come in all kinds of different packages and you would say, I had to follow the anointing that's on that person's life. So the Bible says, when you've done all to stand, Stand therefore. Abraham took a stand, y'all. He was given a promise that Isaac would be, he would have a son. Didn't know his name at that time, but he would have a son in his old age. And he took a stand. And he said, God spoke these words, and even his wife laughed. That's why they called this first son Isaac. It means little laughter. Because it was unbelievable. How can this happen? But he took a stand, and when he was 100 years old, and his wife being 90 years of age, they bore their son, Isaac. Isaac was the promise. Three Hebrew boys, uh, your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. <laughs> or something like that. Horse shack, I can't remember the word. It's one of them shacks, hallelujah. Three Hebrew children, remember? And what happened? Those, they were, we call them children, but they were actually men, young men. And the Bible says they would not bow to Nebuchadnezzar and they made a stand. They made a stand. Watch this. It was in the fiery furnace that God delivered them. I'm only preacher. I'm going to share a couple more and we're out. I won't pray with you. I'm just trying to get you to understand. You're looking for God to take you out and from. He wants to bring you in and through. It was in the fiery furnace. That's where God came through for them and delivered them. Noah was told by God, build an ark. I'm almost done. Build an ark. What's an ark? Just get building. I'll show you what it is. He's building something he doesn't even know what it is for something he's never seen called rain. The Bible said it hadn't rained on the earth before. The dew came up from the ground and watered the earth. And yet God says that's going to be a mighty flood. And then he, not only does he tell him to build this ark with him and his family, but then he goes around, God says, I want you to go around telling everybody to repent. To know that the days are coming. And you're going to be destroyed if you don't get on this ark. And for a hundred years, he preaches. One hundred years. Because people lived, the atmosphere was different in those days. They can prove this. That's why dinosaurs were so much bigger and the atmosphere was so much more pure and pumped with oxygen. People lived longer. And for a hundred years, he preached righteousness and not one convert. But he made a stand. I don't care what it looks like. And, and every day he's building this ark, not a drop of rain. Not a drop. But he made a stand. I'm not going to back down. God told me it was going to happen. But then the day came, the moment that that last nail was put in that ark or last piece of beam was glued together, however they did it, in that moment, and all of a sudden God said, get everybody in the ark. 
And then the crack of thunder happened. And what happens? God says, now close the door. And they sealed that door and the people started running. But it was too late. I shared this on Thursday and I'm done. God gave a promise to Paul. You will stand before King Agrippa. And you will give an account of my gospel. But he gets on the boat and all hell breaks out. He and everybody are going to die. The ship is breaking apart. But an angel comes to Paul and says, Paul, as God said, you will stand before King. He, 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 he says, this is the promise. He's saying to him, make your stand. And you tell the captain and the rest of them, quit freaking out. Nobody will lose their life. And he makes a stand. And the Bible says, yes, indeed, the ship did break apart. But just like that fiery furnace, they had to get in it to see what God could do. Y'all, I'm preaching. I think I'm getting through this morning. I really do. So if you feel like you're in it, don't worry about it. There's a fourth man in the fire. And same thing with Abraham. He had to go all the way to the point of plunging the, the sword or the, the dagger in his own son's chest as a sacrifice. And God said, don't. I've seen your faith today. Paul had to go through the time where the, the ship was broken apart and he had to paddle ashore on a piece of wood. All of them survived. And even when he got to the shore, the devil was attacking him. He goes to warm his hand and out from the heat of the, of the, of the timber that was being burned, what happened? A viper leaps up and latches onto his hand and begins to pump venom into his hand. And they all waited to see him die. But he shook it off because he had a promise. He stood when you've got your words, stand and then stand therefore, be immovable. I know what God has said. I know what God has promised. I will not be moved. I believe with all my heart that this is a word to the body of Christ, not only to our church, but for all of us. So, I would say, especially if you're watching right now, share this. Get it out there. It, it bring, you can see it begins to lift and bring in, bring, begins to get, give hope. It doesn't give false hope. I did say God will judge. But he's only going to judge you and me. He judges us. Look, he judges us differently than the rest of the world. He judges like a father who corrects his children. But I also believe he's going to bring a balance of the favor and blessing to planet earth and to you and to me. But we're going to have to stand, folks. Immovable, unshakable. Uh, the, the, the word that I received is wonderful. The word that uh, Elder Pito got about the shaking happening. And I'm seeing other prophets speak the same thing. And, um, and that shaking is taking place. But did you know that we're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken? The kingdom of Almighty God. 